minutes. So right now, we want to start with the word of prayer. Join me, please. Father, we give you thanks once again for the privilege you have given to us that we can gather again in church. And we can, O oh Lord, lift praises and our hearts, our hands to you in adoration and glory for your wonderful, matchless love. We thank you, Father, for being such a loving Heavenly Father, for giving us your Son as a sacrifice for our sins. We ask, Lord, tonight that you would meet the needs of everyone, that Lord is uh, listening to us, is joining us on this live streaming uh, service. If there are needs, spiritual needs, or there are any form of needs, O oh, Father, we pray that you'll meet the, the needs of your people. Let your perfect will be accomplished in every one of our lives. Bless this service tonight, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Father, as our service. 
of the Lord. Praise the wonderful name of the Lord. Since part of break, you're all I need, Lord. You're so divine. And you are mine. You're all I need, Lord. Our is great. You're all I need, Lord. Since part of break, you're all I need, Lord. You're so divine, need Lord, and you are started this church and um, they, they, the word of God that was given from this assembly has been the greatest it has ever received in its history and its existence. There were many, many things that God brought to our attention that we as an assembly never heard of before, but during the pandemic period, God opened up areas in our lives I'm glad that uh, it came, and I'm glad in the sense in that if it was not for the pandemic and other problems that I had to encounter, my life would not be driven uh, to serve God until uh, the end. Uh, I want to be faithful to the Lord until I draw my last breath. And so it is important, and I look back at all the messages and the lessons that came from this pulpit or from this church. And God has been good. One of the many remarkable lessons we had was uh, looking at the, the Luke the physician and the writer, the author of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we looked at him, and uh, from the time the pandemic started until now, I have a different opinion of this a young doctor that was not even a Jew. Uh, he was, I think, half Jew or whatever he was. Uh, he accompanied Paul on his journeys. And I made many statements from this pulpit, and because I am making the statements, it might not be easily accepted among people, or they might just spurn the very thought. Well, it's coming from Desmond Singh. you got to be kidding. Can be an authority. But... One of the many things we said was, if you take Luke away, we would not have the Gospel of Luke, and we would not have the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, if we would not have the Acts of the Apostles and the Gospel of Luke, we would have no other account of the day of Pentecost. We would have absolutely no other account of the day of Pentecost. We would not have anything written about Stephen, uh, the first martyr uh, that died for the work of God. We would have no count of Stephen. We would not even, when we think of that is just Acts of the Apostles, and then when you go through Acts of the Apostles, uh, you see the conversion of one of the greatest apostles 
uh, that lived on this earth, and his name was the Apostle Paul. Take Luke away, and we would not know how Paul got converted. Uh, apart from him, uh, Paul himself mentioning things in the Acts of the Apostles about his conversion. Uh, take Luke away, and we would not have any account of how the churches got started that Paul planted, uh, whether it was Corinth or it was um, uh, the church at Colossae or the church at uh, Philippi or the church. We would not know Paul's involvement in these churches at all. We would have no account of his missionary journeys. And uh, so Luke, as far as I'm concerned, played a very important part in bringing all of this material together and I think it had to be to a great extent authentic in the sense that he was not writing it just like a little, keeping a little record. He was writing it to a very firm nobleman uh, in that period of time called Theophilus. And during the pandemic period, we were able to embrace some of these valuable truths uh, from the Acts of the Apostles. And so Luke, I'm glad that he accompanied Paul. I'm glad that he was there when Paul made most of the missionary journeys, uh, that he was there to record this. And because he was doing it for a nobleman uh, known as Theophilus, he had to give a proper account. He had to make sure that his research was right and his account was put together. Uh, he was not there during the life of Jesus in the sense, I don't think he mentioned anyway that he saw Jesus personally. But then he, come up, he comes up with this gospel of Luke and uh, take Luke away, we wouldn't have the gospel of Luke. We would not know uh, the, the occasion that, uh, that uh, encircled the, the uh, birth of John the Baptist. Uh, we would not know anything about Zacharias going into the temple and uh, praying and offering, uh, doing his course, uh, the course of Abaya, I think it was, or Abijah, whatever uh, the pronunciation is. Uh, we would not know about Zacharias going in there and praying. We would not know his wife Elizabeth was barren. We would not have this encounter uh, that they have. And when you read the account that Luke is putting, he's emphasizing a whole lot on the Holy Ghost. I want to draw our attention to a few things here tonight that Luke is making mention of. And uh, I really, I want to start in chapter 11, but I will back up here to chapter, uh, the very first chapter of Luke. And um, he said here, uh, concerning Zacharias and Elizabeth, his wife, uh, he speaks about them in verse 6. He says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. I, I like the phrases that this man used and the sentences he would use and the, and the way he would, he would present the gospel that he's presenting here. I back up a little and um, uh, he says here, chapter 1, verse 1, for as much and as many have taken in hand to set forth in order uh, a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So when this man is writing like this, you know that he is saved. Uh, he is saved. He is a believer. He says, this is believed among us. Even as they, whoever they were, we'll find out in a minute, delivered them unto us which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers, ministers of the word. He says, I did not get it from some scallywag down the street. He says, I got the information from men who were eyewitnesses of the incidents he's about to write, and they were ministers, they were preachers of the word of God. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, when you look at his approach, you know this man is matured. And he should not be taken lightly. And then he comes on here. He says, um, he says in, in verse 6 that they were blameless. Then verse 15, he says, For he 
shall be great. He's talking about John the Baptist when this angel appeared to John the Baptist and he's telling John the Baptist that his wife Elizabeth shall bear a son and they will call his name John. It wasn't, you can't call him Zacharias like the father. You got to call him whatever the angel decided. And Zacharias knew he was up in age. He knew his wife was barren. But isn't that what God always does? What seems impossible with man, God makes possible. Uh, there are things in this assembly that we have seen over the years we've been here, look impossible, made possible. I think of Chandri sitting there, uh, that as far as the doctors were concerned, she should have been dead long time ago, uh, years ago, but she survived. And she is here tonight. And I appreciate everyone that is standing with me in the ministry because you are important. I told Sister Indira sitting at the back, I say you're very important to me in the ministry because no one else can actually, I can't find anyone else to do what she does uh, with the financial department. She does a tremendously wonderful job. Excuse my extreme uh, emphasis, but we've got individuals, Nadine here, uh, she carries, her dad is not the easiest person to deal with, but I'm glad for everyone that has made an effort, everyone, I'm not going to name everyone tonight, but everyone that stood with me over the years and has carried the burden and understand my feelings and my burden. It's one thing to hear me preach. It's another thing to carry some burdens with me. And COVID-19 has revealed a whole lot of uh, stability and faithfulness and has built me up in the Lord. And uh, here uh, John the Baptist is being told by the angel about this boy that was to be born, this child that was to be born. And look at the emphasis Luke is making. He says, for he, verse 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And this is how John, this is how Luke is writing his gospel. He emphasizes the Holy Ghost uh, more than anything else. Uh, then when you come over in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 35, and the angel said, he's emphasizing a statement made here by the angel when the angel is talking to Mary. And the angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Verse 41, it shall come to, and it came to pass, you know, when Mary went to visit her cousin Elizabeth, here is, I'm just emphasizing a few verses here that the Holy Ghost is mentioned. And he says, when she came, came to pass, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Long before the day of Pentecost, there were individuals that were touched by God and were used by God, and, and the Spirit of God touched them. And it says here, when the baby was finally born, John was born, uh, they... Uh, they, verse 6 to 6, long chapter, isn't it? Chapter 1 is a long chapter. It says in verse 6 to 6, And all they that heard them, laid, uh, laid them, uh, heard that them, laid them up in their hearts, and saying, What manner of child, uh, of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was upon him. And his father Zacharias, after the child, they wanted to name him after his father Zacharias, and Zechariah says, no, give me a tablet and I'm going to write his name. And the Holy Ghost came upon Zechariah. Now, you, you listen to this and you're reading this and you can understand that it was not a man just walking around trying to get some notes. I'm seeing Luke as a champion in the faith. And that is why tonight we're looking at some of these areas that during the pandemic period, were brought to light in this assembly. Uh, this is a wonderful place to be in. And I feel that when I stand and God gives me a message, it is meant to be what God wants. 
I believe 90% of the time when I open my mouth, it is what the Lord would want in that particular service. And sometimes I get carried away with my uh, with saying what comes to my mind, uh, that grammar is not important, and sometimes plurality uh, uh, um, is not important. Sometimes that's why Brother Joe is there to make correction. Uh, I know when I get in the way. And so when Zacharias did this, it says, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost. I see Luke is saying this over and over again, the power of God. I wonder where we got this information from. I wonder who he spoke to. Uh, to get this, uh, he couldn't just get it out from everybody. I'm sure he went to Zacharias himself and talked to him and got this information. He says, filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. And he got the detail of this prophecy that was made by Zacharias. Uh, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And he goes down, goes down, and he talks here. He says, in holiness. And this is speaking about uh, John the Baptist. He says, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of his life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Uh, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Uh, through the tender mercy of God, whereby the day spring from on high had visited us. Here's another name for Jesus. The day spring from on high has visited us. I, I like this. I, you know, I'm excited when I see a man uh, making emphasis. Uh, tonight, I didn't feel like singing until Nadine uh, started up that song that says, I need more of your spirit. Oh man, do I ever need more of his spirit. I need more of his spirit. I ask him every day. Every single day, I ask God, I need the genuine Holy Ghost. More of your spirit in my life. More of your spirit touching my mind and my understanding. Father, I don't really care about what people think. I just want your spirit to guide me and to lead me in the paths of righteousness. And uh, uh, Zechariah is saying all of this to give light to them that sit in darkness Verse 79, and in the shadow of death to guide our faith into the way of peace. And then Luke concludes in verse 80, a very strong and beautiful and necessary conclusion. He says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. He didn't stay in his daddy's house. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't hang around established religion in that period of time. He stayed in the wilderness until God was ready to send him to preach. And that is why John's appearance and his ministry and his method and the way he delivered himself was not in alignment with established orthodoxy of that time. He did not. He did not deal with that. And Luke deals with a lot of this in, in the Gospel of Luke. And I don't want to get carried away here today. Just one more verse and then I'm done. And then I'm going to chapter 11. And he says, And there was a man, verse 25 in chapter 2, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This is when Jesus was taken to the temple to be dedicated uh, by his uh, parents. They took him there as the custom of the Jews were. Uh, to have him circumcised and, um, and have him dedicated. This man, his name was Simeon. He was not a priest. He was not a renowned man in the temple, but he was a man that God touched. A lot of times you might not be renowned and you might not be popular, you might, might not be great, but if God has touched your mind, that is important. And Simeon was touched by the Lord. The same man was just and devout. You think Luke would write just and devout because somebody said so? Or he would search it out. Luke is a Christian. And he must search this out to make sure that this 
writing he's sending to Theophilus is authentic. Uh, it's just what it should be. And remember, he's writing to a man with a concept that he would try to save or strengthen the faith of this man, whoever he was, uh, Theophilus. And it says, and he, it was revealed unto Simeon. Let me back up a little. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. Uh, this is very strong language. You know, I've got people tell me, well, the Holy Ghost led me. Somebody told me the Holy Ghost tell me not to take the vaccine. Well, the Holy Ghost that talks to you to tell you that is not the same one that talks to me. Because I would prefer the Holy Ghost to tell you to come to church. I, after the fact, I know that God did use me. Amen. You would never hear me stand here unless it really happens and say the Holy Ghost told me today to come and talk to you. I wish the Holy Ghost would come and talk to me because I lost the Holy Ghost a lot of things. But you see, the Spirit of God was able to witness to individuals in the past prior to the day of Pentecost. And you might never speak in tongues, but God can touch your mind. Don't fake the tongues. Don't fake it. Let God touch your mind. And we are hoping that by the time this, my life is over, I'll have some people that genuinely receive the Holy Ghost if that is what God wants. But we must be led by the Spirit of God. And there is a spiritual world we are living in where it is important for us to understand the difference with the Spirit of God and the counterfeit spirit of the devil. There is a difference. Uh, the devil today tries to mimic the Holy Ghost. And that is why this lesson today we want to emphasize a little uh, on these areas, which I did not plan to get onto, but here we are, talk, I'm talking to you again. And finish this up here. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, verse 26, that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. See, there's Simeon, uh, he came by the Spirit. And when you walk in there, uh, the Jews don't believe in contraceptives. So that day for dedication and circumcision, they maybe had a few hundred babies waiting to be circumcised and dedicated. But the Holy Ghost came upon Simeon and he looked among all the babies. And then he found the one that he should lift up in his hands, and that was Jesus, and give thanks and prophesy. Uh, we don't have time to get in all of that, but this Holy Ghost, it was such an amazing thing uh, that, uh, that uh, Luke is emphasizing here over and over again. And uh, we today have such a, 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 I would say, a, such an unclear idea as to what the Holy Ghost is and what happens with the Holy Ghost. We have... Uh, in, in, I'm coming back to Luke, but in Galatians, the, uh, the fifth chapter of Galatians, uh, emphasis is made on the gifts of the Spirit. There are, uh, here it says, uh, seven, uh, there are works of the 17, I've got works of the flesh here, in chapter 19, in chapter 5 and verse 19. Seventeen works of the flesh, workings of the flesh. Seventeen, adultery, fornication, and it goes on. And then in, in verse 22, it tells you that the fruit of the Spirit, when you have the genuine Holy Spirit, you can have the gifts of the Spirit, which is in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know I've got your finger in a few places. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can have... Uh, the uh, gifts of the Spirit. Um, you can have the gifts of the Spirit, and there are 
there are seven gifts of the Spirit uh, here in chapter 12. Oh, sorry, where am I? In 1 Corinthians. I need 1 Corinthians. No wonder I couldn't find it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are seven, seven gifts of the Spirit. Now, listen to me carefully. There are seven fruit of the Spirit, and there are seven gifts of the Spirit. Well, the gifts of the Spirit is not just speaking in an unknown tongue. The gifts of the Spirit in, in, in 1 Corinthians are listed here, and it says, uh, verse 8, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 8, and uh, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, that's one, knowledge, two, faith, number three, gifts, 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 not one, gifts of healings, uh, gifts of healing, uh, that is more than one kind of healing. Then uh, that's number four. Number five, miracles in verse 10. Number six, prophecy uh, in same verse 10. And in verse 10, it says, discerning of spirits. This is, if we have the gifts of the Spirit working, and there are two more, it says here in, in verse uh, 10, diverse kinds of tongues. It means a variety of languages. You can, under the Holy Ghost, you can rise up and speak a variety of languages. And interpretation of those languages, if one person rises up and speak in a foreign language, because in the church that day was present a person from uh, Spain was sitting in the church. They came to visit, and they're from a country that they speak Spanish. And here, a regular, ordinary uh, Canadian that never went to college gets up and prophesy in the vernacular or the Spanish language because there was to be a witness to that man from Spain. And then that's not all. Another person gets up and interpret what that one is saying so the rest of the saints can understand what was being said. That man in the back that hears that will never forget that for the rest of his life. He might say, well, I don't believe. I believe they know the language. But when he hear an ordinary person speak that language, and then an ordinary person interpret correctly the same language, we can know something is supernatural. Well, the Holy Ghost, when the Holy Spirit really comes and moves in the church, supernatural things happen. All of these gifts, seven gifts, could be seen. But having these seven gifts is not as important as having the seven fruit of the Spirit. And so I, I named all the, the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm going back here now to, to catch the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit tells us here in verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit. And it didn't say fruits. It says fruit of the Spirit because it's one Spirit that produces. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, you'll find genuine love, genuine joy, genuine peace, genuine long-suffering, genuine gentleness, genuine godliness, goodness, sorry, and genuine faith and genuine meekness and genuine temperance. Seven fruit manifested. Uh, when someone says, I got the Holy Ghost and all they got is tongues and a bad attitude, they ain't got nothing. You like my language? They ain't got nothing. When all we have big moving of the Spirit and all we got is unknown tongues in the church, I tell you what, I would not call it the devil, I would not call it the flesh, it could be either one, but I would like to say, it does not impress me. When I'm reading the same Bible, everybody is reading, why are we so carried away with the, the emotionalism and the hype on things that are not important and does not benefit us? This is important that we understand these things. 
And so when Luke is making this emphasis of the Holy Spirit, we're talking the most important aspect of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into a godly relationship with God. And Luke is dealing with this here in Luke the 11 chapter. He, he, he's highlighting some important elements that I like what he's saying. In chapter 11, he, he is the only one that has this account from what I understand. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, and one of the things I wanted to do tonight was find all the areas and give you like a chronological lesson of how many times Jesus went by himself and prayed. But Jesus always did that. He always went by himself and prayed. Now, the, the, the question is, is prayer necessary? Uh, can we receive things from God without praying? Yes, we'll receive the grace of God, but prayer is an absolute necessity in us seeking after God. The problem is, if I was the devil, I would pervert your kind of prayer that you would not know what to pray for and how to pray. <clears throat> to pray, you don't need to read a book on how to pray. You have the right attitude and the right spirit. Prayer is very simple. You're speaking to your heavenly father. When the Jehovah's Witness take away the kind, the, the description father, and you got to speak to uh, Jehovah, it's like Nadine calling me sing. And Jeremy and Timothy says, good morning, sing. It takes away that relationship and that bonding. Jesus said many and many a times in John 14, John 5, John 14, John 6, he repeats the word Father over and over and over because prayer is approaching a dear heavenly Father. And that's why Jesus died and the veil in the temple was rent to give every one of us access to approach to God. And it is necessary that we ask God for things. It is necessary that we don't rush prayer. It is necessary that we know how to pray. And he says here in chapter 11, verse 1, And the disciple came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I said this many times over the pandemic period, that this man that asked Jesus, this disciple, I would really like to know his name. Luke did not put his name. He says, but certain disciple, uh, as, as his, disciples, his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. They wanted the Lord to teach them to pray because they always saw him going down to pray. They always see Jesus going in the corner to pray. And then they turn around and saw the Pharisees standing in the corner of the streets and praying. So they were getting a little mixed up as to how to pray. Do we shout? Do we scream? Do we cry aloud? Do we cut ourselves like the prophets of Baal to pray? You know, I, I classify myself as Pentecostal, but I can't pray when there's a lot of noise around me. That's me. And that is why I find that if I'm to pray, and I really don't pray enough. I need to tell you that up front. But if I'm to pray, I like to get up at four in the morning. My alarm is set permanently to wake me up at four if I don't wake up before that. Most of the times, if I set my alarm at four, I'll wake up five minutes to four or 3.30. And when I go there, I make sure there's no lights on. I turn the outside lights off. I keep a little corner. This morning I found a different corner that's a better position uh, to, to get in the corner, a little cozy corner. And I thought this is a better position. So I got a new place. And when it's dark, I can talk to the Father like my Heavenly Father. Oh, Almighty God and Heavenly Father, maker of heaven. No, 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 no. Lord, it's me again. I'm coming before you. Like you talk to your dad, but respectfully. 
I don't sit down there with my bare underwear talking to God. No, I come down, make sure I'm covered. And I'm sitting down in a little corner. I don't kneel. I never ever kneel. I sit in a little corner and I can feel that sweet spirit of tenderness coming over me. That's where it comes. That's where I become like Brother John and weep. And that's where I feel something that's not me coming over me in the quietness and darkness. When I'm having everybody shouting around me all the time, I can't pray. I can shout back. We can have a shouting time, but I can't pray. But prayer is very important, and this lesson tonight is not showing us only the importance of the Holy Ghost, the importance of the Holy Ghost, but it's also the importance of prayer. Because we have an enemy that can undermine our simple, sincere efforts that we're making and destroy us. We need to have the mind of Christ, but every child of God in Gospel Assembly Church here in Mississauga ought to understand the mind of their pastor also. You have to understand my mind. If you can't understand my mind, you would never accept the message I preach. You would know where I'm coming from. You understand my struggles, my ups, my downs. Uh, you ought to carry my burden and pray for me every single day so you can sort of get in that spirit of understanding who I am. Because we live in a time where the devil is transformed as an angel of light. Uh, Paul mentions that. I don't want to get into that. Don't even get there. And first, uh, Second Corinthians 11, Paul says, I'm fearful that the devil beguiled Eve through his subtlety. He is a subtle being. His, his purpose is to try to undermine our faith. He would not close churches. He would just undermine the, the sincerity and the proper uh, purpose of that church. If he can undermine the purpose of the church, he would keep the church. If he can turn the church into a social club that produces more stars than it produces simplicity and humility, then he has accomplished everything. See, the purpose of God in Romans, I'm coming back to Luke, but in Romans we've got 10 minutes. But in Romans, the, the 8th chapter, very useful scripture. We've said this over and over and over. Verse 28. We know that all things work together. This is a chapter that talks about the Holy Ghost. The entire chapter starts out telling you how important it is to have the Holy Ghost. And without the Holy Ghost, we'll never be able to accomplish what 28 and 29 and 30 is promoting. Uh, because in the flesh, we cannot please God. We cannot serve God. Uh, anything that's done in the church and what the devil is going to do is to make sure the whole service is done in the flesh. And when I say the flesh, I'm not talking about the rhythm only, but I'm talking about sanctimonious worship that is mainly meant to make people feel goose, goosebumps. You, you, you get, you, it's that spirit that uh, some religions out there are doing that would make them feel, uh, get, get goosebumps and feel all of this thing going on. Uh, we, 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 don't, we don't want anything that's of the flesh, whether sanctimonious flesh or vibrant flesh. The flesh cannot please God, especially if the Holy Ghost is missing in the meeting, in the service. And we have the Holy Ghost greatly missing in our services and in our churches. Because we have scarcely, scarcely a glimmer of the gifts and we have more self-righteousness than the Holy Ghost. In Romans, Paul says, verse 28, he says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. For what did God do? For whom God foreknew, he also did predestinate. He predestinated us to be confirmed to the image of his son. The whole purpose of church and religion and serving God is to produce the spirit of Christ. The fruit of the spirit 
in every one of us. The whole purpose of going to church and doing everything. So whenever we're doing anything that produces a different spirit, we're missing the whole purpose of the church. Now the devil would like to undermine the very purpose of God. Paul, said, Paul says, For whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be confirmed to the image of his Son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so we're looking at this. It's important for us to understand that. So back here in Luke, because time is going to run out on us. Jesus, the disciples, says, teach us to pray. And Jesus gave them a pattern prayer. He gave them a pattern prayer in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 2. We're not going to really look at this, this parable here tonight because uh, he talks about a woman and because of her importunity. But I want to walk or turn over to Luke's gospel further on in chapter 18 where Jesus deals with this subject again. And he spake a parable, chapter 18 and verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not faint. We're to always pray. Whether it's good, we pray. Whether it's bad, we pray. We're to always pray because the devil would try to make you not pray. Prayer is not a difficult thing. And so in doing this, it is important. And he spoke this parable of an unjust judge that did not fear God, nor did not regard man. And this judge here in verse 2, who feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city that came to him saying, avenge me of mine adversary. She says, can you please help me out? I don't have the money. Can you please? Uh, I've got some people that needs to be... Uh, dealt with can you help me out and it says here and he would not for a while but afterwards he said within himself though I fear not God nor regard man he said this woman is a nag she is nagging me she is bothering me let me help her so she can stop you know I like this woman because he she goes to him and she says can you help me he says no you got no money get out of my office He's leaving work that day. He's coming out. Who do you think is waiting for him? Can you please help me? Woman, I told you already. Who do you think is waiting for him the next day? Same old woman. You see, she doesn't give up. She's like Daniel praying for an answer. And first day did not happen. Second day did not happen. Third day did not. He didn't know there was a battle going on. But he prayed and prayed and prayed until the prayer was answered. Prayer needs persistency. Pray without ceasing. Do not faint, but pray. And so this woman, she was, uh, the judge was afraid that he would, she would weary him. The margin says, wear me out. And the judge said, oh, hear, hear what the unjust said. And he said, uh, uh, shall not God avenge his, if the unjust judge did that, uh, Luke is writing, shall and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Uh, so I pray, I pray for people. I pray for people that the doctor has given up on. Send them home to die. I remember years ago when we had a young man, and he lives in Brampton. But you know, healing does not change someone's spirit. This young man lives in Brampton, and I was told the other day, uh, he was sent home to die. We fasted and prayed. I wasn't married at that time. Fasted and prayed and prayed for him, and God raised him up out of that deathbed and made him walk. It was amazing. He was a cripple. But you know, God is able to do that. And if God can do that, when we seek after God, he doesn't answer my prayer, keep on praying. He doesn't answer, keep on praying. Keep on knocking on the door. Prayer is not chanting something. Prayer is telling the Lord. You might not even utter a word, but he knows, Lord, I have so much problems with this particular problem. Oh, God, help me. Now, Paul prayed three times for his thorn in the flesh, and the Lord says, no, you keep that one. Uh, you're going to pray for people, and they'll get healed, but you keep your stuff. Uh, because that is meant for your growth and development. 
God is all wise. When it's over, the man with the thorn in the flesh and the man who got his thorn removed, if they're both elect, they will both end up with the image of the Lord Jesus Christ established in their lives. The plan of God for each one of us is different. And so it goes on here. And Jesus says, uh, verse 8, I tell you, I uh, tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth, Jesus said. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, when I read this thing here, I don't know who I'm thinking of. Certain people who think they're better than everybody else and everybody else is wrong. Jesus spoke this parable so people can understand because they, he looked at society in his time and he saw some people believe they were better than other people. And so he gave them a little story now. He says, two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a publican, a sinner man. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself because God don't hear that kind of prayer. See, some prayers don't even reach the ceiling. When I've got a prayer and I've got to create words and come up with vocabulary to stimulate you and get your feeling goosebump, that prayer does not even touch the ceiling. All it gives you is goosebump. Same thing with preaching. If I'm to preach just to get everybody to shout, you see, I've been in meetings where I hear someone get up. You see, I did that in religion out there. Get people to scream, get people to shout. I did that. It did not bring healing. And every time you see a big commotion like that happen, find out the next day how many people got saved and how many people got healed. And if there was none, it was all in the flesh. When the power of God is there, lives are changed. I'm going to finish off here. He prayed with himself and he says, I thank thee that I am not as most as other men are. There are men there, evil men. He says, Lord, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not an unjust person. I never commit adultery. Or even as this public, you know, turn over to the poor sinner man there. And he says, even as this publican. What a way to go. See, Jesus came not to call the righteous. That means the self-righteous. And we've got to be so careful that when we are self-righteous, prayers are not heard. Self-righteous prayers are not heard. When we feel we are better than everybody else and everybody else is in error, our prayers are never going to be heard. We have to come to the place of humbling ourselves to seek after God. Having the spirit of Jesus, having the spirit of humility. Do you think Jesus really needed to pray? He was the son of God. He created all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. But there was a principle. He became obedient even unto death. If Jesus had to pray, do you think you and I should pray? My God, we should pray. It does not take a lot from you. The devil will try to hinder you, but just get down there. And if you've got to tell God all your sins, just name them to him. Because when the disciple says, how much should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said, 70 times seven. Some people make a prophecy out of that, but I think he meant 70 times seven. You can't even finish. Who would forgive someone 490 times? 490, right? 70 times 7? 490? My gosh, nobody ever wanted that much forgiveness from me. But that's how, if God is telling us to do that, how much is God willing to forgive you? You see, he that is forgiven much will love much. He that is forgiven little will love little. The kingdom will be established by people who are forgiven much because they would love much and they would dedicate their lives to God. Those self-righteous people that feel they're better off, 
An attorney says, I, I fast twice in a week. I give tithes and all that I pos- of all that I possess. And the publican, the publican did not have a lot to say. He did not give money to the church. He was such a sinner. And the publican standing far off would not even lift as much his voice. His eyes to heaven, he smote upon his breast. He says, oh God, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner. Guess which one God heard? Self-righteous prayers are never heard. May God give us this desire to seek after him. Time is gone on us. Otherwise, I'll take it to into Ephesians chapter 6 and show you that the whole armor of God is important, but prayer is an important element that makes the armor work. Otherwise, your armor, it's like that grease that keeps the parts of your armor working. Prayer strengthens the man in the armor. And that is important. We need to pray like we have never prayed before. Don't pray and tell everyone you're praying. Don't stand in the street corner and make a big deal. Don't publish your prayers all over the place. Pray in secret and the Father will reward you openly. It is pride in our hearts that keep us from praying. May God help us. Let us pray. Father, let this lesson not return void unto thee, Father. But as was asked almost 2,000 years ago, Father, we need to learn to pray. May your Spirit teach us to pray. God bless everyone following us tonight. And may this lesson sink in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.